Amen. Final week of our series, Let's Go. I want to encourage you, if you're watching on Facebook, if you could hit the share button, go ahead and let people know that you're joining us and you're watching. That would help us so much, uh, but encourage you to be <clears throat> active in our sermon today. Uh, we're grateful to have you. Uh, one of the things I hate in life, <clears throat> one of the things that, <clears throat> besides a tick on my throat, is uh, one of the things that just is like one of those like pet peeves that just really get on my nerves that's hard for me to get over is when you're tricked by something. Uh, we don't use the word duped anymore, but like when you're duped, when you realize like you've, you've been got, like, oh, they, they got me. And I would say this sermon that I'm about to preach is one of the ways that the enemy is really duping and getting the body of Christ. It's really messing with pastors. It's really messing with his people. And that is this idea. The church no longer talks about eternity. We've stopped talking about heaven. We've stopped talking about hell. We've stopped talking about eternal consequences because we don't want to make people uncomfortable. Oh, well, we need to, we need to be careful. We need to just kind of talk to them and relate to them and be slick and be cute. But the boiling down of let's go, everything leads us to one thing in this let's go series. What are we going toward? We're going toward seeking, saving the lost so that they can spend eternity in heaven. Can I get an amen? Our call, our mission isn't to just make people know the church songs and understand the studies and get to know all the churchies things. No, the mission of it is all is so that we can change their eternal destination from hell to heaven. Can I get an amen? Because our default setting, if you will, when you're born into this world, you're away from God. We have to make a conscious decision to choose him as our Lord and Savior and accept the work that he did on the cross through this message of the gospel, which we even celebrate next week, the, the risen king is something that we choose to participate in. So it drives me frustrated, just mad, when I see that we've eliminated the message of heaven, hell, and eternity from churches. The reason it frustrates me even more is because Jesus talked the most about two things, money and eternity. Much of his message in his ministry was about money and eternity. I bet you can't guess the top two things churches don't talk about anymore. Money makes everyone uncomfortable. It makes everybody upset. makes all this. And then also eternity. We don't want to make anybody uncomfortable. We certainly would hate it if somebody came to church and actually felt conviction. That would be the worst if we made somebody feel conviction. So I'm not here today to, to jump on you or, or make you feel bad about yourself, but I'm here in a loving way to tell you that eternity matters, and it should matter to you on a daily basis. I can't give you all of the content in one 30-minute sermon. I can't give you everything that you need to know about heaven and hell and eternity. So I'm going to give you a resource that I think you should check up on. It's a book by John Bevere, and it's called Driven by Eternity. Because the reality of a Christian's life is that your life should be driven by this concept of eternity matters. Yeah. Heaven and hell and what we do in the afterlife is huge. And your days and your life and your decisions should be driven and steered through eternity. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11 says this. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity in their hearts. When God created you and you were wired and the scripture says you were fearfully and wonderfully made, when God puts you together, he puts you with like a, a, a magnet type draw to this idea of there has to be something more than life. There has to be something more than just be birthed and spend time here and then find yourself in the grave. Our hearts, we are eternally wired to this consciousness of eternity and heaven in a relationship with a God. Are you with me? 1 Peter 2 talks about how in our lives, 
We're just foreigners. Us, if you're a Christian, if you're a believer, you living in this life, being here on this planet, walking this earth, the scripture says you're but like a foreigner. One says like a stranger here. Why? Because this isn't your home. This isn't what it's all about. You're a vacationer here. But what it all actually boils down to is eternity, hopefully in heaven with God. Can I get an amen? Amen. Therefore, your decisions and your mindset and your ability should all be thinking, what am I doing that's going to matter when it comes to eternity? Now, I believe in stewardship. I believe that the scripture says that you uh, should number your days and spend them accordingly. And I believe what God has given you, you should manage and steward and pay attention to the, the here and now is a really important thing. But the reason God wants you to manage it and steward it and put it in place is so that you can be the most effective in your ability to be able to change and help people with their eternal salvation. Can I get an amen? God's not like, oh, I want you to steward all this stuff so you can live the best life. And we know those books have been promoted to us in Christian. Are you with me? Oh, you live your best life, have a cute time here and that. No, no, we're here to stand in the gap for those who don't know him so that they don't end up in a place called hell. Can I get an amen today? So sort of the... The cherry on top or the bow to this series called Let's Go is that we have to remember we are in this thing for eternal consequences. Jesus talked about it this much. How much more so should we? I put it down like this. What you believe about death and eternity will determine how you live. What you believe about it, what's truly in your heart and what's truly your understanding about eternity and the afterlife and how God designed us to be as spiritual beings, what you truly believe will determine the decisions that you make today and in your everyday life. That's why Colossians 3, 2 says this, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. To set your minds, I mean, that takes an effort. If you've set your sights on anything, it's a conscious, maybe you hunters, you have a scope and you're setting that on a specific target. You're consciously saying, I'm not going to have it look at this or I'm not going to have it look at this. I'm setting it. I'm placing my mind on this specific thing because I could be tempted to place it on all these other things. So the scripture is saying your mind, our minds need to be set on these eternal things, these big things, these things of heaven. Are you with me today? Not on earthly things. The old saying used to go like this. Oh, you're so heavenly minded. You're no earthly good. And that's been a ditch that Christians have got off on the wrong side. They, you know, we got all these old songs that like someday in the sweet by and by we're singing something and we're always just thinking about heaven that we're no earthly good. We spent all our time talking about someday when I get to heaven. Oh Lord, would you just come? Would you just rapture me? Well, God's got great things for us to walk in right now that we get to be a part of. Can I get an amen? So you can be so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. So I put it down like this. We should be so heavenly minded that it causes us to do some earthly good. We're so caught up in what God wants us to walk in and act in. That's why the scripture says when you pray, you pray thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We have this, this calling, this mandate, this mission to be like, God, your eternal life that you have for us matters in the here and now. I put it down like this. I know a lot of people who are so earthly minded, they're no heavenly good. They're missing all of the call and the purposes and the potential that God has for them and what they can bring to the kingdom because they're so caught up in the things of the earth. Scripture says that life is but a vapor. Life is but a vapor. If you've ever been boiling water and you take the top off the the pot there and the steam comes up for like one second and then it's gone. That's what the scripture is talking about your life is. We get so caught up in what we're building and what we're achieving and what we're setting. And trust me, what we do here matters generationally. But the scripture says it's like, it's just a vapor. All the things that we put into this life is here a moment and gone. 
But the scripture says that eternity is like the endless ocean. It's, it's, the eternity is forever. So we spend all this time on this vapor, yet eternity is this endless ocean. How many know we need to put our efforts into that eternal life? Can I get an amen today? The Great Commission, when Jesus equips us and sets us out for how we're called to live, the Great Commission boils down to one thing. Go out there and do your best and give your best and be your best and reach people and love people all for the purpose of what? Eternity. Not so that people can feel good. It's not, hey, go around and make people feel better about themselves. It's no, go around and make a dent in the kingdom of hell. Are you with me? It's the Great Commission is even about eternity. And the reality is people die around us at high rates. The reality is we are in an hourglass. The scripture says tomorrow is promised to no man. Uh, We see statistically three people will die every second. Three people in the amount of time it took me to just say that will cross over to eternity. In, in, in my belief, belief, either heaven or hell, 180 will die a minute. 11,000 will die one hour in the amount of time you're here in church. 250,000 a day, four people a day will die in just our 30-mile radius alone. I'm here to tell you, we have a great work and a great effort and a great advancement that still needs to take place on God's behalf with our partnership. Are you with me? So this idea of like, well, I'm just kind of, I'm, I'm not in a season where I'm, you know, conscious of what God's doing in my life. I need to focus on me and self-care. We've sold self-care. And, and, and God's like, self-care? How about take up your cross-care? Yeah. Yeah, I'm offended. I'm hurt. I'm, are you with me? Yeah. <laughs> I want to go there, but I can't. So all around us, what I'm trying to say is you have great opportunity. You have great, great, great opportunity to make a difference in, in the kingdom and for eternity. That's why Mark chapter 8, verse 36 says this, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his own soul? Because this vapor, it matters and God calls us to steward it, but it's not everything. So what does it profit you if you put everything in place and you have all these great successes and you have great all these achievements, but we lose our soul? It's important for us to be eternally minded. I know this doesn't inspire you, and I know this doesn't get you excited. I know you don't leave here feeling inspired. Oh, we're going to. But the reality is, this is what it boils down to. Eternity matters. I thought about it like this How dumb would it be if a professional athlete, say a basketball player, uh, which the purpose of basketball is to outscore the opponent, it's to get more points through. You know, get more baskets through the rim, get more, however you want to say it, through the net, whatever you would say. But the purpose of the game is to outscore the opponent. How stupid would it be of that athlete to say, oh, you know, in the game, all I do is dribble. Uh, All I'm going to work on is passing. All I'm going to work on is my box out and and my defense, but I'm never going to shoot the ball. They would never be successful, would they? And I just wonder if the church is over here going like, oh, well, we're studying the scripture. Oh, well, we know all the songs. Oh, well, we go to all the groups. We do all the things. But we never take a shot at reaching somebody. Statistically, they say that the average American Christian only evangelizes one person a year. You only share your faith one person a year. Can I tell you, based on population growth and based on the amount of people who are de-churched and unchurched, that statistic is not going to get the job done. Are you hearing me today? And so we say, well, but you know, I'm taking time to, to know the self, and self-care Christian and I'm getting healed and all that stuff matters, I think. I don't know. <laughs> if we're not shooting the shot, what's the point? Yeah. If we're never going to put points on the board, then what does it matter? Can I get an amen? Yeah. 
We have this tug towards eternity that God put our, in our hearts. We have our mindset. There's a story of this little boy who's flying a kite, and they, a gentleman comes to him and says, hey, little guy, I see you got that rope, and, but I, I don't see your kite. What are you doing? He says, I'm flying a kite. He says, well, I don't see the kite. And he says, oh, it, it's up there. It's stuck up there. And he said, well, how do you know it's up there? And he said, because I can feel the tug. You all have a tug going on in your heart that God put there towards salvation and towards eternity and towards reaching people and toward making the world a better place. Honestly, the world has hijacked it. You know, we get that tug that God put on the inside of you to make an eternal difference. The world is now hijacked. We buy Tom's shoes so that we can do clean drinking water and we drink box water because they're going to plant a tree over here and we think we're making an eternal difference. Some of you hippies are like, that is an eternal difference. (laughs) But they've hijacked this great desire on the inside of all of us for all these other causes. God's put that in you. There's a tug that we know is there, and we've got to live it out. Can I get an amen? Augustine said this. He said, thou madest us for thyself. Thou madest us for thyself. And our heart is restless until it rests in thee. What's the scripture saying? It's saying until we understand who God is and how he created us and how he loves us, until we find ourselves in him We will never find that perfect rest. That's why people live their whole lives and they achieve and they make their goals and they make money and they make friends and they travel and they do all these things. But none of those things are eternal things and none of them are found in Christ. Therefore, they don't fully satisfy. And so I'm just here saying we have got to be a people who remember that we're driven by eternity. We're driven by what matters most. But we find ourselves in this weird spot where these foreigners, we're these strangers. One translation says we're these aliens. We're almost these vacationers here on earth that we want to be with God. We want to be in heaven. We want to be in eternity. But God has us here for a purpose. The Apostle Paul says this in Philippians 1. He says, I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. I think he was having a bad bad day. I long to get to heaven. It would be so much better. He was probably a pastor. I long to be in heaven with Christ. But he says, but for your sakes, I'm stuck here. He says, but for your sakes, it's better that I continue to live. And that's where we find ourselves. Man, it would be awesome to be in the sweet by and by and to be with God and to be in eternity with him. But right now, God has you here on purpose for a purpose and it's to help populate heaven. Can I get an amen? You have a mission. You have a purpose. God's designed you. He wants you to walk in this. And so for while you're here now, let's get to work. Let's go. Let's remember that eternity matters. What I love about God is he's so great and everything makes perfect sense. You know, think about this. Heaven. Eternity isn't like just some random happenstance. Like God created the earth and all these things happen. And then all of a sudden now, oh, he got to the end of your life. And he's like, oh, now what do we do to him? Oh, we got that old shed back there called heaven. Let's just put them in there when they're done. Or hell, like over here, oh, maybe a few we could send to hell. You know, we, you know. No, no, heaven, I want you to hear this because it should inspire you and motivate you to, to, to helping in this cause of eternity. Heaven, if you think about this, was God's idea for you. There's a time where the creator of heaven and earth was like, I have an idea. I want to spend forever and ever and ever the endless ocean with my people whom I love. We should make something for them to do that. How many parents in here have ever put together something for your kids? You've had an idea for your kids. And you go overboard, don't you? God went overboard 
for you. Think about this. The creator of heaven and earth created a place for you. And he was like, whenever you have an idea for your kids, I go, oh, say, oh, birthday's coming. You know, we're only going to spend five bucks. Maybe you're like me. And like, I have 17 credit cards for my son's birthday party coming up. <laughs> because why? Because the heart of us is like, I have an idea for you. And it's going to be amazing. And that's what God did with heaven. He wants you to be in it and experience it. Scripture says this, that it's paradise. Luke chapter 23, he turns to them on the cross and he says, you'll be with me in paradise. If you've ever experienced anything cool here, maybe you've been to a tropical place, maybe you've been somewhere and you're like, this is amazing. You went in mountains or something like that. You're like, this is unbelievable. This is so amazing. It doesn't even come close to what heaven is going to be. He's called it paradise. And then in comparison, I mean, paradise is going to be unbelievable. He says this in John chapter 14, verse 3, as I just mentioned. He says, I've gone and I've prepared a place for you. The creator of heaven and earth has prepared a place for you and me. The scripture says this in 1 Corinthians. It says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. You know that song out there? Facebook people know this. Uh, You know that song out there? I can only imagine. (laughs) I I did good on that one, didn't I? (laughs) Did I nail it? Did I nail it? You're going to leave here remembering me, not Brianna over here. Just kidding. But the truth is about that song is you can't even imagine. The scripture says you can't even conceive. You can't even begin to fathom what God has prepared for you and me. What heaven is going to be, this this eternal lifestyle with him. You, You really can't even begin to conceive what it's going to be. I put it down like this. It's infinitely and indescribably better than anything you could ever even think or imagine, as the scripture says. We should be talking about that. That should make a difference. If you had something in your life that was inconceivably and indescribably better than anything you could imagine, wouldn't you talk about that? If you've ever gone on vacation and said, oh my gosh, we booked this thing. It's going to be amazing. We've saved so many years. We just can't wait to get to that because this thing is waiting for us. It's going to be so amazing. And you talk about it and you tell your friends about it. And you, why? Because you share about what you care about. If you know that heaven is going to be that great and eternity is going to be that amazing and God created that for you, don't you think you would want to talk about that? Yeah. That's why we got to let eternity get deep in our hearts. Yeah. Okay. Can I get an amen today? Yeah. We got to get it in us. It's indescribably and incredibly better than anything you can imagine. I'm telling you, I'm just giving you examples of how incredible heaven is going to be. If you could think about like the best moments you've ever had in your life, those feelings where you just feel the highest form of, of love or just, just whatever you experience, like a, a child running to you and hugging on your leg and, you know, oh my gosh, these kids, like a grandparent. Watch my parents get old, my grandparents and my in-laws and that level of love that they have for their kids. Oh, my grandkids, they're so great. We love them so much. That's all they talk about, right? The high form of unbelievable love that they have for that is not even going to compare to what we experience in heaven. Because part of it is the same thing our parents and grandparents and that they experience with our kids, God is going to get to do with us. Think of that welcoming party. I want you to understand the intimacy of what heaven is going to be for you. God saying, here, I've prepared this place. Come to me. Run to me. This is what I have for you. Are you with me? All of your highest highs, Christmas morning or whatever those feelings are that give you the highest highs are not even going to come close to what you experience every second of the time in heaven. Maybe you've been out on a lake and you've kind of looked around and the sun is setting. You're on the lake. You turn to somebody those moments where you would say, this is heaven. This is heaven. 
if you've ever been to the big house in Ann Arbor and the Michigan team runs out and hits the banner, you turn to your boys and you say, this is heaven. This is heaven. Or you're at a concert and your band's about to come through this thing and it's, it's about to go down. I'm kind of obsessed with the band that I follow. And it's like your 30,000 friends are there and it smells great and it's going to be great. And they're about to peek through like, this is heaven. But it ain't even close to heaven. Can I get an amen? Whatever your highest high is here doesn't even compare to what heaven is going to be. And that ought to drive you to do something about it here on earth. Scripture says in Psalm 84.10, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Scripture saying you can take all the highest highs of a thousand days. It won't even compare to one in heaven. Scripture says that in heaven we have these like new senses. Imagine this. If you uh, have never experienced water before, I'm, I'm trying to get you to see how great heaven is of what God has prepared for you. There's things there that you've never experienced before. So imagine if you've never, ever experienced water. So you don't even know anything about it. You've never you've seen it. You've never heard of it. You don't even know what it looks like. And so then someone takes you and puts you in the ocean. And now you're scuba diving in the most beautiful coral reef. You're experiencing water. Your mind would be blown. Like, what is this? This is unbelievable. We're going to have experiences like that when we get to heaven. Where God has prepared things for us that we don't even know of. Unconceivable, the scripture says. Maybe if you've never heard music before. You've never heard noise before. And all of a sudden you just hear the greatest symphony. Imagine how your mind would be like, whoa. Or if you never tasted before, if you lived and you've never tasted before and then somebody gave you just like delicious, like spaghettios and meatballs. They just gave you a pickle pizza and you'd be like, this is unbelievable. You never knew what taste was like. Some of you COVID recoveries are like, no, I know what that's like. I'm just still, I know what that is. Praying for you. But when you get to heaven, you're going to have these experiences with God. And I'm not trying to sell you on heaven. What I'm trying to say is if, if it ever made it into your heart, yeah. you would live differently. Yeah. You would position yourself differently. You, would, you wouldn't count the costs personally as much as we do for selfish gain. Instead, we would sacrifice at a higher level for the sake of eternity. Uh, I thought about it like this. The scripture says in Psalm 1611, it says, You will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Literally in heaven, everything is eternal joy. Everything is perfect pleasure. There is no stress. There is no bills. There is no headache. There's no cancer. There are no cats. Can I get an amen? I mean, I, I'm, they bring me here to tell the truth only. We, we see from Cinderella that the cat's name was Lucifer. We know where Lucifer goes. We know that the movie is called All Dogs Go to Heaven. So don't take it out on me. I'm just telling you the truth. But as much as we talk about heaven and its glory and its greatness and all that God has prepared for us, we also as much have to talk about a place called hell. Now, the difference between this place and heaven is God did not prepare this place for you and me. The scripture tells us that, that this place was created for the devil and for his fallen angels. And it's not God's desire for anyone to go to hell, but you have the ability to choose to do so. God has given you a free will, and when you choose to live away from the way that God called us to, your consequences are this place called hell. 
Jesus, we know, spoke of uh, hell 33 times, and 32 of those times he spoke of it as a place called fire, uh, with fire. Uh, 90% of what we know about hell in Scripture comes directly from Jesus. And the problem is, in our culture, what I'm seeing, and I'm going to spend some time talking about this, unfortunately, I don't want to uh, give like a respect to hell. I don't want to give a platform to hell. Uh, Those are all the wrong things, but there needs to be a severe fear. And and I, I still will use the word respect for this place called hell. Because we have got to understand that it's real and it has consequences. And I'm seeing culture normalize the demonic. We're cartooning and we're normalizing the satanic. Where your music videos have them and we're dressing up as them. And we're we're taking away this, this, this great disdain that we should have for this place called hell. And this stuff we know as the satanic. Are you with me? We say things like, that was a hell of a shot. Or we say things like, oh, hell if I don't know. And we take this word that we should have such a strong disdain for and we normalize it. We, we, we take this, uh, the pain out of it. We take the, uh, what should be this great disdain and we normalize it. You would never say anything like this, cancer if I know. Why? Because there's a great disdain and there's a great pain and there's a great uh, hate that we have for cancer. Yeah. So you would never use it in a term like that, yet we do with hell. We would never say something like, oh, that was a 9-11 of a shot. Why? Because there's a pain and there is a disdain and there is a, a thing that's attached to 9-11 for those that are American. Yeah. And so we would never do it, but we're doing it with the satanic and we're doing it with the demonic and we're cartooning this thing called, oh, hell and Satan and the devil and I'm on a highway. You can still listen to that though. That's okay. It's a good song. <laughs> but the reality is, Not everybody is going to heaven, and and many will experience this place called hell. The scripture tells us that. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. It says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it, but small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life, and few will find it. We get to a point when we face God, and the reality is you get what you choose. The consequence of hell is just the result of your lifestyle of choosing to not participate with what God has placed in our life or the opportunity that you had to follow him. You get to that point and you get what you choose is the result of hell. The scripture says in Matthew chapter 25, verse 41, depart from me, you who are cursed into eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Again, I want to reiterate, hell was not created for you and me, but many of us will choose to go there. Psalm 917 says this, the wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. I will say it just like I said for heaven. Hell is infinitely and indescribably worse than you can imagine. Just as heaven is infinitely and indescribably better than you can imagine, hell is infinitely and indescribably worse than you can imagine. And that's why we need to fight. And that's why we need to drive and pursue helping people understand that God has a better place for them. Many of you might have heard, but uh, there's this artist by the name of Little Nas X. Some of you are like, I don't know who that is. Uh, you probably do, because two years ago, you're getting a lot of singing out of me today. Uh, two years ago, he wrote a song that you might know called Old Town Road. And uh, I, I got to be careful. I would sing it really well, but then Facebook would take us down because they would think it was really the artist. And I don't want that to happen. <clears throat> but it goes like this. 
it's uh, it's a song that many of you have heard it. It's like, I'm going to take my horse to the old town road. I'm going to. Oh, you're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to pretend like you don't know. And then I'm the sinner. And, uh, and so whatever. It was an okay song. It was a good song. Many people heard it. But unfortunately, little Nas X uh, just took a turn uh, and has just released through Nike what he's calling Satan shoes. This is all real. This isn't like some random site that, uh, that it's like a rumor, like, no, you can go find this. This is factual. They're called Satan shoes. They're limited edition. They're only making 666 pairs of these shoes. 666, for those of you not keeping up. You will get this shoe, aside from other satanic symbols and things on these shoes, your shoe will be labeled which pair it is of these 666. So they'll be walking around with 666 on their shoes. It's Satan shoes. Uh, not only uh, will it be glorifying the satanic and the demonic, of these 666 pairs of shoes, each one of them will contain one drop of human blood. Again, made by Nike. So when I'm over here saying like, hey, they're normalizing the satanic we're normalizing the demonic. We don't have a disdain for hell and the satanic and the demonic like we should. And it's because churches stopped talking about it, by the way. It's not Nike's fault. It's not anybody else's fault. It's mine and your fault, by the way. So we now have Satan shoes with drops of human blood in them. So I was actually texting uh, Tanya this morning because she loves little Nas X. And, uh, and I was telling her, just kidding. <laughs> She was giving me some of this information. And so we were texting about it. And I told her as I was going through this sermon this morning, I said, I said, what's crazy is literally my sermon right now. This is real life. Like I told her, like in a couple hours, I'm going to get up and talk to people in a room full of people about how Nike has made Satan shoes that contain human blood. This is the reality we live in, friends. So when I'm up here talking about heaven and hell, guess what I need to be doing? Talking about heaven and hell. Are you with me today? If anything else points to it, it's these kind of things. So here's what's worse. It gets better or worse, depending on how you view it. The reason he made these shoes is because he just recently released a music video. And in his music video, he descends to hell on a stripper pole and gives Satan a very sexual and provocative lap dance. You guys are all shaking your head, but you're also thinking to yourself, yeah, well, no one watches that. Who's going to be a part of that? Why, what does it even matter? Like, let's let those weirdos have their moment. It's been out for three days and it has 20 million views already. And by the way, it's not censored by anything currently. YouTube shows the whole thing. You can get the full language. Anybody could dial it up right now at any point with no censorship. You guys also know the song of the year last year. Are you with me? So what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say these eternal consequences, the normalizing of some of these things, we have got to start paying great attention to. Can I get an amen? Could you imagine if Nike tried to do an Easter resurrection shoe? Canceled. Banned. So next week we're all going to write on our shoes and do like, no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) And I'm somewhere in the middle of, of, of that fight, if you will, okay? But I'm just trying to say, guys, eternity matters in this fight and I should be preaching about it more than ever. I know you want to come in and get a bless me club sermon and motivate you, encourage you to go live your best life now, but this is why we're losing ground. Let me just give you a comparison. I looked up what our highest or most explosive Christian song was compared to this. 
and it's the song by Carrie Job called The Blessing. It came out over a year ago. So it's been out for over a year. It's essentially a song that we would consider exploded in the Christian music scene. And it's been out for over a year, and it only has 45 million views. Little Nas X has 20 million in three days. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to say we better start living like we're driven for eternity. Are you with me? The word hell in scripture is the word genna. And it is described, uh, these are some descriptions of hell. It's a place of burning flesh, smoke, fire. It's a place of total isolation. It's a place of weeping, constant weeping, gnashing of teeth. It's a place of endless screams. Scripture talks about how the skin of the people uh, is one with maggots and worms crawling. It's every single nightmare you could ever imagine, and it's forever. There's no escape of it. And we as Christians, if we have the good news, if we have the hope of the world, we ought to do everything we can at all times to make sure nobody goes to this place. So that's why we sacrifice. That's why we serve. That's why we give. That's why we are eternally driven, because it matters. Are you with me? There's not a reset button that you get to hit when you get to heaven. I have a coupon. Can I try again? Are you with me? We see in Scripture there's a story of a rich young ruler, a rich young man who was in this place type called hell. And uh, we get an account of what it's like for him. And here's some things we know from Luke 16. The rich man was fully conscious in this state. It wasn't a dream. It wasn't like an idea. He's in a place where he had full understanding of what was happening to him. He also understood that his eternal destiny was irrevocably fixed, meaning there was nothing he could do about it when he made it to this place. The other thing we know is that he knew what he was experiencing was just meaning he deserved it, meaning he, he, it wasn't like, oh my gosh, get me out of here. Somebody made a mistake. They messed up my paperwork. He knew that he knew that he had made a choice to find himself in that place. We also know that he pleaded through the majority of this time for somebody to help his loved ones to know Jesus. Once he got to that place, he said what? At all cost, will you please be what? Driven for eternity. Drive to make sure that my loved ones don't end up in this place. I wish we would be that driven for our communities and for our neighbors and for our people that we make sure nobody experiences that place. I'll uh, close with this. Again, I want to reiterate 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says this, The Lord is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God is so gracious and so great and so merciful and so grace-filled to us. But even to the point, though, that when we make a choice, it's our choice. It's not his desire that anyone, have you ever heard somebody say, oh, that murderer, oh, I can't wait. They're going to get what they deserve in hell. Do you know that's actually not Jesus' heart? Can you believe that? Oh, that rapist, I hope that they, that's not Jesus' heart. It's his heart that no one would perish. That's why he could turn to the thief on the cross and said, because of your repentance, because of your acknowledgement of me, he said, truly you're with me in paradise. Why? Because his heart is to forgive and to receive but we're partnering with him in this work. I would say it to you like this. The truest signs of a true believer is their emphasis on eternity. One of a true sign that we're truly following God and we're truly getting it. What's your emphasis you're putting on eternity? Evangelizing to your neighbor, inviting people to Easter, making sure that people are experiencing God's hope and God's love just like you experienced it. Are you, are you arranging your finances? Are you arranging your schedule? Are you arranging things in your life to make sure that you're in position to be able to lead people to the cross? I love how Bill Johnson says, 
is the way that you're living worth what Christ died for? The price that he paid, the thing that he did for us, are we taking full advantage of all that he paid for us? I thought about it like this. Is an awkward conversation worse than a lifetime of regret or wondering? Oh, I want to kind of say something. I feel like God wants me to say something to them. Oh, I don't know. I feel kind of awkward. And then you don't do it and you miss your moment and something happens and you have a lifetime of wondering, was that your opportunity? Let's jump on the opportunity. Why? Because we're eternally driven to make sure that heaven is populated Amen. with the people that God loves because he's prepared a place for us. Are you with me? And it's incredibly better, indescribably better than you can think or imagine. Why don't we bow our heads and close our eyes? You might be watching on Facebook or in this room right now, and you might be like, Pastor Josh, like, I'm not even sure where I'm at with God. I'm not following him, or I haven't made him first in my life. I haven't choose to become a Christian. I'm going to give you that opportunity. That's what I love about God. It's like not only has he prepared a place for us for eternity, but he's provided for us steps that we can take now to receive that salvation. Romans actually talks about it. You'll see it on your screen on Facebook. We got it on the screens in here. Romans 10, 9 says this. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. I'm not in this moment going to do anything to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you forward. I'm not going to have you raise your hand. Nothing like that at all. But I believe this scripture is true that when you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth this prayer, that I believe salvation is yours. It doesn't make you perfect. The scripture says that we work out our salvation. We're always growing in God. But it's this beginning work. It's this salvation. It's you choosing what God did so that you could spend eternity with him. If you're watching online or you're in the room and you say, Pastor, count me in that prayer. I want to be a part of that prayer. We're all going to pray this prayer together. But as Romans says, while you're praying it, if you believe it in your heart and you're saying it with your mouth, I believe salvation is yours. So whether on online, whenever you may be, however you may be watching it, or right in this room, let's all pray this prayer. God, today, I choose you as my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins and help me to walk with you all the days of my life. I believe you sent your son Jesus and he died and rose again for me. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all give it up for those that prayed that prayer. I want to encourage you. Let's be driven for eternity. Next week is Easter. They say, you know, Easter Sunday is like shooting fish in a barrel. Okay. It is the time where people come and they are looking for the good news and invite somebody, find somebody, connect with people. And uh, we're going to shoot them in a barrel. Okay. (laughs) But, But you know me. I'm not going to do anything that's going to embarrass anybody or do a whole thing. We believe people can encounter God's love and, and, and really that, that hope of the gospel message, what we're celebrating it. The, the points on the scoreboard come by way of salvation and eternity change. And so you get to be a part of that. Yeah. And so let's get people here next week. Um, and then the best that you can, make sure you register. We got three different services. If you jump in the app or online, you can register for which service you're going to go to. We won't turn anybody away. We, of course, won't turn anybody away, uh, but we would love to have them registered and be a part of that. So make sure you do that. Let me pray for you. I really want us to seal this in our hearts. Let me pray for you, and then we'll dismiss. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for your word and for your way. Uh, Lord, we just 
We believe these truths. God, hide them in our heart, Lord, so that we can live the way you've called us to, driven by eternity. Lord, we thank you for it in so many ways. In Jesus' name, amen.